Welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today, you are joining us for a recap and discussion of The Gunslinger, book one in the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. For everyone listening right now, I have read this series in its entirety, except for The Wind Through the Keyhole, which is the eighth book of the Dark Tower series, kind of. It was released sometime after book seven, and it's supposed to be read between books six and seven, I believe. Uh, we will be reading all eight books in this series, though. Chad, what were your thoughts your first time through The Gunslinger? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And like, <laughs> we've been reading a lot of good books lately, but they've been very different and very, very outside of the typical staple meal of fantasy novels that I usually eat, which is just like adventure, long books drawn out, like huge stakes. And this is everything I wanted it to be. And just like really interesting. I'm very interested. I have so many questions that I know you can't answer, but you know the answer to. Um, but not so many as I'm like, all right, like just teasing me. You know, some books, they give you too many questions. And like, it's like, the, like the show Lost. You're just like, right, come on, mystery box. answer something for me. Even by season seven, you're like, I still have no idea what's going on. And this, the answers will bring about more questions but I do get an answer, which is satisfying and yet still intriguing. Yeah. And like, I mean, a lot of people say The Gunslinger is the weakest book in the entire series. So you're if in for that's a ride. The case, heck yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure how I feel about that. Um, I definitely, I understand when people say that because The Gunslinger is so cryptic and it's, it's even for Stephen King, like very weird. It's a very weird book. It's an odd duck of a book. It's very lyrical writing, though. Uh, you know, there is that sort of mystery box thing. But it's almost like as soon as you have a question about something, Roland kind of answers it with some of his backstory as well. There's there are some answers given here. It's just it, it's more like stuff like why does the why does he grab the jawbone? What's the point of that? Right. It like where did really, the first one even go? Yeah. Where did he just it's gone? Yeah, it was used up is what he said. It was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, there are a few things in this particular book. I mean, but Stephen King started writing this book when he was like 19 or 20 years old. It, this is a long time in the making, and he was very much a budding writer when he got this idea. He wanted to make the biggest, most epic series there was. Um, in the forward to this edition, he doesn't. He says he doesn't even really know why he wanted to do it. It's just, yeah, I'm just American. We want the biggest, fastest, <laughs> coolest things, and that's what I wanted to do. And it, this is by no means the longest fantasy series, but as far as the scope, uh, <laughs> we, we've got a long journey ahead of us for sure. I can already tell the scope of this book is, or the scope of these books is going to be ginormous. However, it starts very laser focused. Like the zoom out is a very slow, gentle process, or at least it has been through this book, because it's just a story of a guy walking across a desert. And. <laughs> Like, that sounds super lame, and it is not lame at all. Before we get into the summary, though, uh, if you'll humor me, I want to read just a chapter, a paragraph that is the description of the sure. Gunslinger. Yeah. It's just so good. Okay, this is on page four, right at the beginning. Below the water bag were his guns, carefully weighted to his hands. A plate had been added to each when they had come to him from his father, who had been lighter and not so tall. The two belts crisscrossed above his crotch. The holsters were oiled too deeply for even this Philistine sun to crack. The stocks of the guns were sandalwood, yellow and finely grained. Rawhide tie-downs held the holsters loosely to his thighs, and they swung a bit with his step. They had rubbed away the bluing of his jeans and thinned the cloth in a pair of arcs that looked almost like smiles. 
the brass casings of the cartridge looped into the gun belts, heliographed in the sun. They were fewer now. The leather made subtle creaking noises. And it goes on. But <laughs> Oh, it goes on. Oh, it goes on. But just, ah, uh, this was so awesome. When I read that, I was like, I'm in it. Yes. It's like, what a great way of telling and not, or of showing and not telling as even like the, like almost looked like smiles. You know, there's so much like hints put in there of like, there's deeper things going on here. He's telling us even about the, his, the surroundings, you know, like the two oil, too um, deeply, even for this Philistine sun to crack. So obviously it's like a really hot, like raw kind of savage sun. Uh, one of my favorite sentences was there were fewer now it's like yeah. four words that has a paragraph of meaning and so many questions just like, oh, so good yeah there's a reason that Stephen King is one of my favorite writers of all time and it's very much showcased in this work yeah my previous exposure to Stephen King was always like for some reason I just always happen to pick upon the weirdest novels of like toilet aliens <laughs> taking over your brain and I was just like what <laughs> so I mean, I'm excited to be you're eating this. Those have their place too, but you know yes. now we've we've gotten to the cream of the crop, so to speak. And I'm so excited to get into this. Uh, let's go right into the summary, and we'll start talking about it. Let's do it. The series begins with Roland Deschane, the last gunslinger, chasing the Man in Black across a seemingly endless desert. Days behind the Man in Black, Roland passes the evening with a man named Brown and his pet raven Zoltan. Brown previously hosted The Man in Black, and they talk briefly about him before Roland tells the story of his most recent hardships in the nearby town of Tull. When Roland comes to Tull, he begins an affair with a barmaid named Alice. She tells him how The Man in Black came to Tull some weeks before and resurrected a dead weed-eater named Nort. The Man in Black leaves Alice a note telling her if she says the word 19 to Nort, he will tell her secrets about death that will drive her insane. She won't want to say the word, but she won't be able to help herself. The note is signed, Walter O'Dim. Alice struggles not to say the word to Nort, and Roland advises her to learn to resist the urge. Days later, when Roland is in bed with Alice, the bar's piano player, Sheb, bursts in and threatens them with a knife. Sheb recognizes Roland from another town called Megis, and he reminds Roland of a girl named Susan and what happened there when Roland was a young man. Toll is captivated by a preacher named Sylvia Pittston, who warns her congregation of an evil being she calls the Interloper. She believes Walter is an angel of God for healing Nort and that Roland is the Antichrist. She is pregnant with Walter's and the Crimson King's child. Roland uses his gun to terminate the pregnancy, but leaves Sylvia alive. As Roland prepares to leave Tull, Alice emerges in the street, driven mad after saying 19 to Nort. She begs Roland to kill her. The rest of the townspeople come after Roland, spurred by Sylvia's claims that Roland is the interloper. Roland kills every single person in Tull. After the story is done, Roland and Brown fall asleep. When they wake, Brown tells Roland the mule is dead and asks if he can eat it. Roland resumes his journey on foot. At an abandoned way station, Roland meets Jake Chambers, a boy who saw the man in black come through roughly a week before. Jake gives Roland food and water and can't seem to remember much from before he arrived at the way station. Roland hypnotizes Jake and learns the boy was hit by a car in New York City after a man dressed like a priest pushed him into the street. The priest blessed Jake as he lay dying 
and Jake ended up at the way station. Roland alludes to his quest for the tower when he tells Jake why he is looking for the man in black. In the way station's cellar, a demon in the wall speaks to Roland using Alice's voice. Roland kills the demon and takes its jawbone. Roland and Jake set out across the desert toward the mountains. Roland thinks back on his childhood, remembering a cook named Hax hanged for treason, and at night he dreams about Susan Delgado. In a clearing in the woods near the mountains, Roland uses the jawbone to stop an oracle from taking Jake. Roland has sex with the oracle, which reveals a murky glimpse at his future and the path to the Dark Tower. The oracle predicts Roland will meet a young man addicted to heroin and a woman on wheels. The next day, Roland and Jake continue, and Roland tells Jake about how he suspected his mother Gabrielle's affair with his father's advisor Martin Broadcloak when he watched them dance. He will later describe how he found Gabrielle in Martin's bed, and how this discovery pushed him to undertake his early initiation as a gunslinger. With assistance from David, his hawk, Roland beats his trainer Court in a contest and wins his own guns. Roland and Jake enter a tunnel in the mountains and travel along rails through an old mining tunnel where they battle and defeat a group of slow mutants. Before Roland and Jake emerge from the tunnels, the man in black appears. Jake trips and falls from the rails. As he hangs over an abyss, the man in black tells Roland he will never catch him if he saves Jake. Roland lets Jake fall and enters into the sunlight. The man in black leads Roland to a Golgotha where Roland recognizes him as Walter, Stephen DeShane's former sorcerer. Walter reads tarot cards for Roland and puts him into a trance where he shows him the process of creation and his insignificant place in the infinite universe. When Roland wakes, Walter urges Roland to abandon his quest for the tower. He reveals he seduced Gabrielle in the guise of Martin Broadcloak and that he is only a servant of he who now rules the Dark Tower. Roland refuses to give up the quest, and Walter directs Roland west to the sea. Roland falls asleep by the campfire, and upon waking notices he has aged ten years. Where Walter had previously sat now rests a robe skeleton. He takes the jawbone from the skeleton, even though he suspects it is not really Walter's. Roland reaches the sea and watches the sunset, thinking about his quest. Ooh. All right. There's, There's the gunslinger. <laughs> there is a lot. Tell me, in tell that. me, feed me your thoughts. Let's go. Oh man. Okay. So I'm wherever you want to start, wherever you want to start. Big yeah. picture here. I think they are in purgatory. Really? Yeah. I think they're in some sort of like halfway place between heaven and hell or between, well, between heaven and hell and also life because there's like, like time is suspect. There's so yeah. many people who are like, well, you know, time. And then everyone's like, yeah, right. And you're like, wait, 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 no, not, yeah, right. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, time. Because it's like, people can't really tell how it passes. It's referenced many times. Like, now, yeah. sometime they, one, one character said, like, sometime between like two weeks and two months ago or something like that. I was like, well, that seems like a pretty big difference, you know? So a lot of people who are not going to maybe move on to the other side or anything, those who have just kind of accepted their lot in life, like Mr. Brown, um, the farmer that he meets, have just kind of, they're just existing there in this sad, lifeless, like colorless existence. And like, I don't know. I have so many like questions as to like what is happening in this world. There seems to be a sort of consensus that the world has moved on. Time is weird here. We're all kind of just hanging out 
You know, that's that's the kind of weird, like shared collective consciousness that everybody seems to have here, right? Yeah. I mean, even Jake, he tells him about, uh, he tells Roland about his death. And it's like, okay, well, how did you get here? You know, like there's a big blank spot in this story as far as how when Roland's talking about like his backstory, his childhood, like none of that is laced with the kind of hopeless drudgery and timeless like weirdness that exists in this current land. So there's like a jump between his growing up and where he is now. Like when did he begin this quest? You know? Well, I can definitely answer why Jake is here for you. Um, It's a little bit murky, but this is the way that I interpreted things at least is that when Jake describes the way that he died, he was pushed by a priest. And then even as Jake was dying, which was a really grisly, description of like blood shooting out of his mouth and he could oh my feel gosh. it. The, yeah, that okay, we don't have to the give tire it. treads like yeah. oh, oh man, it was <laughs> it was really brutal. Um but anyway, like a priest pushed him into the road. Um and then the priest was giving him like kind of absolution or whatever priests mm-hmm. do when somebody's dying. And I th- I think that was Walter Odim or the man in black or whatever sending Jake to this area to kind of for Roland to fall in love with him. Mm. right like roland is so dead set on finding the man in black on getting to the tower on getting answers the reason that he's given all of this backstory is that you know he thinks that the man in black is responsible for uh, at least partly responsible for the downfall of gilead which is where roland is from he's on he's on a quest to kind of like get after the cause of the downfall of his home you know i mean it's a, a little bit more complicated than that but it's like what is roland prepared to do to to get to this point and so the man in black kind of leaves uh, kind of brings jake in as like this temptation to you know it's like roland knows that this is a trap just like he knows that toll is a trap like he as soon mm-hmm. as he walks into toll he knows all right the man in black's already been here something's up with this place he's trying to trap me here jake is a trap he's he's, he's running into all these obstacles on his way so that's at least how i looked at like jake ending up in this place i completely agree i think Jake was very much a, and not only a message from the men in black, but a a forecasting to us, the reader, that as Roland progresses through this journey and gets closer and closer to his quest, he is going to have to do and be willing to do uh, a lot of sacrifice, both in uh, both of sacrificing the people around him and in parts of of himself, if he wants to complete it. Yeah, totally. Like a little bit of himself died when he was like had to let Jake fall into the chasm. What did you think about the thing of the last thing that Jake said before he fell? Do you remember what that sentence was? I can just tell you, but it's a really, it's a really famous line from this series. People have it tattooed on themselves. He says, go then there are other worlds than these. And it's, Mm. it's a, there's a lot in that sentence that pertains to the rest of this series. It's a very big deal that Jake said that, and we're going to revisit it once we've read a few more books. Um, but I'm just curious like what your thoughts were on that. I kind of thought it was a little bit of absolution almost of like, go, like fine, you've chosen your path, but like my story will continue. Like, don't think that yeah. I am necessarily dead here. Like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe like you're, you're not the only path for me, you know? Yeah, like, interesting. Maybe kind of like a, yeah. almost like a loving, I don't need you. 
sort Maybe, of like, yeah i'm I, moving uh, on it's funny like since i've read all this series and you haven't there's just certain things that i can't i can't be like you're 100 percent right. right about this and <laughs> this is why and i can't tell you're wrong about things either but i do like hearing your answer on this kind of stuff yeah that's mm-hmm. a that's a good one solid thank you i thought for a while like why was jake even in this story because like it seems like you could kind of pluck him out and the story would still progress oh, the no, way that it was but here, you cannot yeah. pluck him out because it exposes a whole side of Roland that we needed to see that he still has a heart. He's not just this like gunslinger willing to do anything. I mean, he is willing to do anything, but it hurts him. Yeah. And, and that's he's, important. And he's very much like your kind of typical, like Clint Eastwood character, like good, the bad and the ugly, like mm-hmm. I'll do whatever it takes to get to right. where I need to be. But also, I mean, he does have a heart. He is not, a 100% terrible person. But it's funny because in this book, if we're just looking at this book, um, the book starts out as like the the good guy chasing the bad guy. And uh-huh. by the end of the book, it's is, is it that though? You know? Right. Like, I mean, obviously, especially in the conversation that Roland and um, I'll just call him uh, Walter for the mm-hmm. sake of choosing a name, but the conversation that Walter and Roland have there are multiple points in the conversation where Walter is just like, ah, dude, like, <laughs> like, can you just chill on this? Like, can you just, I'm trying to help you, you know, like right. I was just, and he's not necessarily trying to help Roland, but he's trying to help Roland understand the, the scope of what Roland is trying to do here. I, I really want to know your thoughts on like how Walter kind of like illuminates onto Roland, just the scope of what he's actually trying to do. You know, the size of the universe, this like what the tower actually is. Actually, let me rephrase that question. Do you think you know what the tower is after reading this? I really don't know. No, okay, I don't. Cool. I mean, maybe like the throne of God or something like he, he mentions. There's only one being that has ever gotten to the top because it's like maybe there exists a room at the top and maybe something is in it. Yeah. Like, thanks for giving me answers there, big guy. And then he's like, would you ever go in there and he was like no you know even even says like it's the first time we ever even see a little bit of fear, fear in yeah. the and the uh, the man in black's walter's eyes and he's like no there's only been one being god or the king as you would call him um who was like dared to go in there which kind of references that there's something even bigger than god yeah right um, yeah it's a, that's a spacey conversation it's <laughs> a spacey conversation you know yeah. and I, I loved the portrayal of walter trying to be like look how big of a scope this is you know he's talking about what would happen if you were to get to the end of the existence and beyond and when you just walked across that desert was every grain of sand a billions of universes just like ours you know it was just like you are so small and yet at the same time what you are doing will affect it all and so be very careful i don't know i think the man in black roland is way more powerful than he thinks yeah like do you think that the man in black is being um sincere in his warnings to roland or do you think he's just trying to get him to abandon this quest for his own means i almost think he's trying to help him interesting in a way like he keeps giving him these obstacles that are like hard enough that it could stop him but if he does get through them he will come through with a greater sense of knowledge and understanding both of himself and his own abilities and what kind of what must be done so i feel like he's giving him kind of a series of tests to be like one i can't are you the person who can do this and two um are you willing to be the person who can do this um because you know he 
kills an entire village they're all attacking him and like filled with demons and stuff he definitely kills like literally everybody kills literally everyone it's yeah it was like 46 people or something it was was 34 or something 34 it was 34 yeah it was still a ton yeah ton yeah oh man i'm just really confused i think the thing that is the biggest mystery mystery in my mind is the man in black like who he is what he is what are his most motivations i mean he says that he's a does he say that he's the like the worker bee for Legion? Yeah, and um, the Crimson King, uh, to my understanding, which is a whole different. Th- we we can't get into the Crimson King right now. Okay, is the Crimson King even mentioned in this? Because he says yeah. Legion. Yeah, he says, he says Legion both. is the he name. He says both. Okay, and Legion is like a name for Satan. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah, there's a lot of um, Christian elements to this. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Stephen King is a Methodist. I could be wrong about that. There's so much uh, Christian symbology in this, but at the same time, this particular like realm that we're in, it's not ours, right? So everything's right. just like skewed just a little bit. Like they're listening to Hey Jude on the piano, you know, but they don't know like all the lyrics to the song or whatever. Right. There's, there's a lot of like throwbacks to different things that are in our world, but this is not our world, mm-hmm. right? It's like a little bit like, like just crick, like right to the side yeah. of it. Um, and even with the Christian uh, like mythology and things like that, I'd be really interested to talk to somebody who has read a lot of the scripture to see like, does this all line up or is this somehow, is this a little bit weird? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a little bit weird. Yeah. Cause you know, you're fairly familiar with some of it and yeah, he's mixing and pulling and um, which is kind of delightful. Actually. I love it's, that. It's almost like a world that has moved on, but also retained a lot of knowledge. You know, yeah. it's very, very weird. It gives you this like constant sense of displacement throughout this mm-hmm. whole book. Yeah, they're they're not. They're definitely not in our world, uh, but they're definitely not not in our world. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's why I think purgatory, right? Because it's like, like you said, it's kind of like our world adjacent. It's like just yeah. a little bit off. And then there's weird things like what's beyond the mountains. Like well, nobody has been beyond the mountains. It's like mm-hmm. what? Not one person. Like everyone's just like cool with living in these terrible towns, you know, <laughs> just like drinking and just like being, and then weed eating. There's eating a that, weird even that devil grass. The devil grass. Okay, talk to me about the devil grass. <laughs> That's not what Roland is smoking throughout his journey, right? No, he has pretty, tobacco. He's smoking tobacco. I think okay. devil grass is weed, like marijuana. Um, but it, I mean, it could be like a whole other like fantasy thing, like okay. fantasy drug type thing. So I mean, you I, know, you eat marijuana, it's not doing anything to you. You can't even metabolize it, you know? Yeah, that's true, actually. Whatever. Yeah, what do you think about Roland taking a pill of mescaline uh, to go talk to the Oracle and then like have sex with the Oracle to get answers what? out of it? It's just what? It's like, this is already weird. And then you're going to make it even weirder. Oh, it's getting yeah. weirder. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's the weirdest part in the entire book, in my opinion. That's that's more spacey even than the conversation that he has. Because like I've had conversations with my friends that are very similar to the one that that Roland has with the man in black, but taking mescaline and banging an Oracle demon to like, that's all, that's a little bit outside that of my was, wheelhouse. Yeah, <laughs> personally. for sure. <laughs> but some I mean, weird nights, but I think I, it was a really interesting conversation actually, because um, the kid, Jake is like, well, I don't know what that is, but I know about LSD, which is probably pretty similar. And I think that was Stephen King trying to be like, if you don't know what mescaline is, it's kind of like LSD, which everyone knows what it is. So it's an, an opening of your mind. And in order to, you know, a lot of like shamans and spiritual types will take those sort of drugs to like open their mind and thin the veil between like our world and the spiritual ones. So they may even like peek their head through a little bit. That's what he needed to do maybe to have a sense of 
like control in the conversation with the Orville, kind of operate in her level. The fact that he had to like make a deal with her and then have sex with her was weird. Yeah, um, I just thought it's, it's it's like, are you always carrying around a dose of mescaline? Right. Just, like just in case you run into someone like this. I mean, yeah. is that gunslinger training? Did, I didn't. Right. I missed that part in the gunslinger training where they have to have a, a little dose of mescaline and wherever they're going to have. Like, how long has he been hanging on to this? That's why I say I want to know. I want the gap to be filled in from where his backstory ended and the beginning of this story. Because he seems to have been oh, this kind of... Oh, don't worry. Don't don't worry. Okay. Dude, don't, okay. I, not to interrupt you, but like, yeah, we've got we, we've got some okay. big, okay. thick good, doorstopper good. books coming up. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, but to get back to the Dark Tower, um, my understanding without... I'm going to try not to spoil anything for okay. you or for people that are listening right now, but the Dark Tower is basically the nexus of all worlds and all dimensions, right? Yes. It's like the center point of, a, of everything. And I'm not going to get into more detail about it. We can obviously go much more through like what that really means um, in regards to the series and in regards to the universe and everything. But that's what Roland is trying to get to right now. Right. To answer some questions, which I don't even really know what those questions are, <laughs> actually. Like, I don't know oh, why. God, there's Roland so many things I want to say. There's so many. Have you read all of the C.S. Lewis, like Chronicles of Narnia books? I haven't read the last two. Okay. Well, there's one. I forget which one of them exists this world. But I thought of the Dark Tower very similar to in one of those books, the kids find their way through like a portrait or something into this land of like foggy pools of water everywhere. And each oh, no, that's pool, the magician's nephew. Is it? Okay. And each pool it exists like a different time and world. Totally. And like to me, the Dark Tower was kind of like that world. It's the hub. It's the portal to everywhere and every time. I can't go into detail. Okay, that that's yet. fine. That's, what, that's like, what my I brain like your, like, yeah, made the comparison yeah. of. I really like that a lot. And then, like at the top, <laughs> man, <laughs> yeah, I cannot wait. Top? <laughs> I, I'm so I'm almost sad that we have to read seven more books for you to get to the last like couple pages of this series. Because <laughs> the uh, without spoiling anything, the last the the end of this series is probably the most polarizing ending of any series I've ever discussed with anybody. What like, do you mean by polarizing? People are either if you love it, hate it. Yeah, people either love it and they think it's fantastic and it all makes sense, and then other people are like, "That's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life." I hate, <laughs> and that's. I mean, that's how a lot of Stephen King books end, though. I mean, go read the yeah. ending of like Revival. It's a total mess. It's so wild and out there, and it's just like eldritch craziness, and it, you're not expecting it at all. That's one of the things that I love about Stephen King is that he's not he's not afraid to commit just to jump all the way off of something completely jump the shark on something and still kind of make it make sense but also you're not super satisfied and it's mm -hmm. we're I, i'm talking about stuff that i shouldn't even be talking about right now but i'm so excited for you <laughs> to get more into this series and for us to talk more about like what all this cryptic stuff means and to be fair like he wrote all this out and then he added like nine thousand extra words or something to this edition like this edition that we're reading is not the original edition of the gunslinger. Oh, really? I think he changed the name of Toll. Like the uh, Toll was called like Farland or something like that. Uh, so he, he switched around the name of Toll and the a mm. name of a character that comes up later. The conversation that he has with the man in black is you notice that did you notice what the first word in this book is? Not the man or or the gunslinger or whatever, but um, before the book even starts, like it says the number nineteen on one page, and then it says another word. You want to tell me what that word is? 
Oh, you got the book in your hand there? Yes. Oh, wait. What does it say? I don't I don't know what this word means. Can you show it's, it to me on, yes, on the video it says, since we have video? It says 19 and then it says resumption. Interesting. Like, re- is, is that to resume something? Like, would yeah, the acts of resumption maybe. be like, I was playing a video game, now I'm going to, I resumption yeah. back to the game? <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Is that an actual word? Resumption? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but don't worry too much about that right now. Listeners, don't worry about it too much. Just remember that I brought it up in the first episode because I'm super smart. Right. right. And, <laughs> and you I've have but, read these books. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Also, is there a finite number of bullets that Roland has on him? Yeah. Because he seems just to be like, bah, bah, bah. I mean, he, he a wasted 34. I don't know the, the way village. that it's describing how he's like able to perf- like so professionally reload his guns like while he's jumping around and he even do- thinks about it like offhand like my hands are just doing their thing. So that's the thing. This um and I I feel like I can get into this a little bit, but Roland is like as top level of a of a warrior from his warrior class as you could be. You right. know what I mean? At least in my opinion, he is. Like, I'm sure there's some debate on whether he's the last gunslinger. He did get initiated really early, but there's a reason for that. And like, Roland is like a knight, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's there was like an order of knights in this old. And one thing I really wanted to bring up is that I really love the kind of contrast between this kind of uh, like dystopian, post apocalyptic almost like Western setting, mm-hmm. like this kind of like. Sir, like Sergio Leone like setting and the kind of like high fantasy setting like middle ages high fantasy of his backstory yeah that's we awesome. go from like this vibrant cool colorful like sing sword play to like this like Mad Max post-apocalyptic dirty like oh, I, love uh, it. I love it so I, I love the use of numbers that I don't know any of the meaning of but there's like threes are yeah. a big one and then 19 obviously is uh, Stephen one. King really loves the number 19. Um, 19 has popped up in some other books. Uh, there are a lot of other Stephen King books that are tied very loosely, or at least, I mean, even not as loosely to The Dark Tower. Um, but 19 is a very Stephen King number. Um, the, like He was hit by a car um, on, like I think it was June 19th, to the year 2000. And he was already really into the number 19, like decades before that. Like mm. it's weird. Like the, the the numerology in these books is is so interesting, and you start noticing the number nineteen everywhere you go. Ugh. Interesting. Nineteen is such a cool number. I also love how there's a one at the, on the bottom corner. Like I just these books are so, obviously there's so much thought put into these books. They're so woven. Like there's a nineteen. Or there's a one in a keyhole on the bottom right corner. Corner. It's like it's just so cool that there's all these little things. Like is that just supposed to signify like as oh, the first book and the dark tower is like you know locked up or something um or is there a deeper <laughs> meaning like i don't know there's just so much going on i will say the weirdest part of the book to me besides like the oracle masculine thing was like there seems to be this continued reoccurrence of kind of like bad sex in order to move <laughs> forward yeah you know like yeah because <laughs> he ends up like having sex with Anne. is it Anne? alice uh, alice there we go but she's like kind of turns into be like a demon or demon possessed. And it's like, oh, weird. Well, I mean, Roland, Roland is your typical like masculine man, right? Yeah. You know, he's 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 got a mission like he's 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 got sexual energy. Like he's able to convince Alex to have sex with him within like a couple hours. He's got to use sex. to. And she's to, able to convince him. 
Well, <laughs> but it's interesting because like that masculinity or like that, I wouldn't call it masculinity, but that, that sureness, you know what I mean? Like that, that really gets put to the test in this book and it, it creates quite a contrast there too, you know, like him utilizing how confident he is and how like, oh, this is the way that I have to do things. I have not forgotten the face of my father, like all that shit. But then also he lets a kid die, you know, which is like the least masculine thing you right. could do. It's you know, so I think you're kind of like onto something there. Roland as a character, I don't, uh, I can't get super into it, but like Roland as a character never stops being interesting ever. But I would say that um, Ka is Ka is funny, man. Did you did you what notice is, that word? Oh, yes. Okay. So Ka <laughs> meaning life is like a Ka is some, a wheel. Yeah. It's, it, Ka it's like kind is of, destiny. But, Ka is like yeah. It's yeah. like luck and life and destiny and the path or whatever. Yeah, you know. Right. Um, because yeah. they use it in a lot of different ways. Yeah, there's like, a lot well, of different Ka. language. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? I, I would do that, but like Ka, you know, Ka. Yeah, crazy. Ka. Ka is definitely a big player in these books. Uh, the high speech, you know, uh, you have forgotten the face of your father. Do you say so? Do you can? Those kinds right. of like, he's switching in and out of what's called the high speech of right, like Gilead. Yar is Yar high speech? Yeah, it is. Okay, um, and he's switching back and forth from it because I mean I look at it as kind of like him clinging to this home that he had that is not it's not a thing anymore. Gilead is not a thing. Right. Uh, we find out a lot more about that whole situation, um, and it's really interesting like reading back and like looking at this book through the lens of the things that I've learned over reading this whole series. The high speech. Uh, he kind of incorporates it now and then, and even uh, Nort in that bar or the saloon or whatever speaks it as well, you know, and that's, yeah. that's really it's, odd. It is very odd, and it's used in a really cool way by Stephen King and subsequently um, the Man in Black to add in something that's specifically there for Roland. No one, they were like, we've never heard this guy speak in that language before, you know, so when that kind of told Roland, like, okay, this was the machinations of the man in black. The man in black has a weird amount of power. And like you asked me at the beginning of this, whether or not I think he's good or bad. I see him more kind of like the, like if, if chaos was a creature, you know, mm -hmm. like it's not really good or bad. It's like just there. But I mean, you know, he's definitely not good. Yeah. I mean, I would say he's more of a, he's like a tool. You know, for yeah. bigger, bigger machinations that are going on. Totally. Yeah. A little shaking of the world. Yeah. And it's a really good way of representing like just how much bigger this situation is than Roland thinks it is. I mean, like you said in the beginning, we're laser focused. It's just about a man following another man through the desert. And it's like as these events start unfolding and we start un understanding more about what this journey that Roland wants to take rather ignorantly you know what i mean like we start to realize oh this is like the man in black is a player in this much bigger scheme roland is a player in this much bigger scheme the universe is so big you can't even comprehend it and you're trying to go you're trying to find the the, the center point of it like right. what are you doing like why and, would like, you possibly want something? to do it but why would the man in black want to dissuade him from doing that what does what does he gain out of it? That's that's what the question that we should be asking ourselves if we wanted to know is he a good guy or bad guy? Is there a good guy or a bad guy in this situation? Uh, I think it's bigger than that, you know. Yeah, and we're gonna find out more about that. I agree completely in that it's bigger than that. But I mean, you know, I still stand by my statement of the man in black is not a good person. I mean, he, he ah, it's his ah. result that the entire village is dead. 
he yeah, like I guess you resurrected probably. somebody and like lived him in hell, gave some woman a note. It was just like, yeah, nineteen. If you want to go crazy, <laughs> what you're gonna do? Would you say the Would you say the word to the to the guy? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's the whole point of it, though. After right? After watching like, this like... guy just revive this dead <laughs> person. <laughs> okay, so make sure if you want to know what happens when you die. Say the yeah. number 19. But I mean, I think the whole point of that is you won't be able to stop yourself. You can't resist the urge once you right. write it. Once it's out on the table, eventually you're going to, you know. You're going to have a bad day and be like, right. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to say it. kind of like, yeah, don't think of elements. You know, it's like, well. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so like definitely not a good person. And like I said, I, I don't think that he's necessarily trying to dissuade really? Roland. Yeah. I mean, there's there is greater efforts he could have gone to to prevent him. He's... Get putting all these little like obstacles in his past path, I don't think is necessarily ways to prevent him from accomplishing is but but to vet him to see if he is the person capable of needing to do what the black man needs him to do. I don't know. Yeah. Because no, at the end, he's like, yeah, okay, well, okay, if you are totally stuck in your pathway, which you totally shouldn't do, then you will need to go west to the ocean. It's like, why would you help him? Well, I don't know if he's really helping him as much as it is like he doesn't. He doesn't want him to go, but he can't force him not to. Right, but I mean, I still wouldn't help him, give him the direction. I guess that makes sense, yeah. Ah, I think you're onto something. I, ah, the stuff I can't yeah, say. I don't think the person in sitting there, and, you know, covered his skeleton. I don't think that was the man no. in black. No, that it was, was like more. a replacement. Kind of creepy, though. Super it's, creepy. Like I, I imagine Roland literally just laying in the same spot for 10 years. Yeah, just super. Um, like, what's the story of the guy who plays nine pins with the fairies and then wakes up? Like 10 years later. What? I've never heard that before. Oh, it's like a fairy tale of this guy. He goes into the woods like a um, a lumberjack. He goes in his woods like it's a lumber or something. And he comes across like these weird wizened old men like playing nine pins like bowling. And then he like drinks their wine. <laughs> what? And then he wakes up like 15, 20 years later all covered in leaves and like his hair okay. is really long. And he goes back to town. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I forget. I forget the uh, tale's name, but it was kind of like that. It was like. And why did 10 years need to go? Well, why? Like, why? Um, I mean, now he's older. He's uh, he's not a spry. He's got gray in his hair. Yeah, you know? I guess. So that, that you know, that could be a... a Disadvantage. A, a, yeah, something into the bucket of the man of black truly does not want him to go on, you know? But I mean, if he doesn't, then like, just kill him. Clearly, he's more powerful. Um, have, have it be 100 years, you know? <laughs> Wake up like, I need a wheelchair now. But maybe there are limitations on his power by some... I don't know. Let's see. I think we can probably wrap this up pretty soon. Did you have any other questions or comments or Let's anything look. else that I could help you out with understanding without giving away the whole game here? I think I've done a pretty good job at staying that course. It's so tempting sometimes. Yeah, I want to ask you questions like I don't I'm not sure that we're done with Jack yet either. Or Jake, Jake. excuse me. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's quite gone out of the picture. I think he might come back and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I could be just hopeful because I really liked him. He was like, a, he represented a lot of hope. It was cool because he was able to shine. You know, everyone's from a different place and time. And so he was able to talk about things that Roland didn't know and, and you know, tell him of a time that he was from. And it was just like, it was like kind of like Roland's, but also totally not. And just, and you said something earlier where you think that the priest who pushed Jake into the into the um, road of the path of the oncoming vehicle was the man in black. And I think that's super accurate because even yeah. Jake calls the guy who he sees 
come stop by. He stays away from, him, then goes through his little hut out there. He calls him the priest. Yeah, he says he looks like a priest. Yeah, it looks like yeah. a priest. Yeah, and then like, what was in the basement? The uh, job. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like demons. Like okay, okay. <sighs> Maybe help <laughs> me so, understand. You're so like, uh, ooh, I got so I, many questions. Just, I, Okay, so there's a conversation between Sylvia, the like um, religious leader in the town of Toll, yeah. um, where Roland's like, "Yeah, you have the Antichrist in you," and then kills her. It's like, <laughs> yeah, what? That's a pretty odd scene, isn't like, it? That was another weird like sexual thing. Yeah. <laughs> like. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly like. I wish that I had a really cool, like, interesting host of a podcast answer, answer not for answer, you, yeah. but like, I just don't really. Um, well, I mean, if you even if you did, it would be giving away stuff that I wouldn't want you to give away. Yeah, so. and that's just one of those things in this book where it's like, oh, oh that, oh, that happened. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, um, let's just. Oh the my god. Description of her was fantastic, though, because she yeah. obviously has like a succubus demon within her, like a demon of sex. Every movement is described as this like sensuous like jiggle like it was like really like creepy and like super attracted to her yeah Yeah. it was really really weird there were so so many good lines that like you can tell stephen king has like a little bit of a sense of humor you know like he like the farmer wakes him up and he's like ah your mule's dead zoltan (laughs) ed his eyes Mind if I eat him? <laughs> yeah, mind if I eat him? Like, and his raven has already picked pecked out his eyes. Yep. Um, there's a line in there where it says uh, I, that I just loved a lot, and it says three ladies walked by him, not looking at him with pointed curiosity. Like, oh, so cool! Like they're not looking at him with a like, like they're looking at him, but they're not, and it just mm-hmm. like explains so much by saying so little. You know? What do you think is going to happen in the next book? Man, I don't know. Okay, okay. I'll give some je- oh, big arching things. I think obviously we're going to get story progression here. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have an ocean yeah. journey. I think. <laughs> yeah, story progression. We're gonna do a lot of pages. Um, there's gonna be some numbers. Maybe here nineteen again. No, there's gonna be. <laughs> there will be words. There'll front be words. To back, top yeah, to I think bottom, someone named Roland right. will be traveling. <laughs> um, I think there'll be a ocean voyage. I think we're gonna get introduced to some new characters that are not going to be throwaway characters like Jake, even if he isn't that totally, um, that carry on with us for a lot of the story. Because we need more than just Roland, I think. Um, though he is good, we see he is, a, we were able to learn the darker, or the deeper sides of him through his interplay with others, I think. Yeah. And so we need some other people in this story. Um, I'm interested to see if there's going to be a love story that arises in here. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there will be and, and don't care really either way, but I'll be interested to see if there is one. Yeah. So definitely new friends. And I think there's going to be some old friends. I don't think that everyone from his past is dead and done for. I think he's going to get some old people, maybe even like doppelganger old people. Like we go through like three books. It's like, it's his bestie. And then learn that like, Oh, it's the demon of deception, you know, or something <laughs> crazy like that. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I mean, since I've already read this whole series, I can't give my own predictions on this. But I mean, I do predict that you are going to like book two a lot more than book one. Um, books two, three, and four definitely seem to be everybody's favorites. Really sure. nice. Yeah, I think we're going to get a lot of adventure juice and not so much desert drudgery. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool, cool, as cool. like basic and broad as that is, you know. 
Awesome. Well, I think we've covered most of the high points here and dug into some stuff. Uh, we can go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, do you have any last like thoughts, comments, anything like that for the first book in the Dark Tower? Uh, I like I said, it's so nice. To, I feel like I'm going back to my roots of just like large scale epic fantasy, high fantasy. But it's also weird. It's also but something it's weird. It's almost like something weird. you've never read before, too. Oh, right. It is so unique. Yeah. It, yeah. No, that's the exact way, right way to put it. Like it's it's going back to my roots, but like. It's a totally different tree, you know. <laughs> uh, Mr. Brown asks Roland, you know, do you think that this is the afterlife? And what does he say? I think this is it. I think I'm just gonna say this is it for my thoughts on the first book. And I was so excited to get into the second one and see: Are we in the afterlife? Are we alive? Even I don't even know. <laughs> are any of us alive, man? Are any of us alive? What is even? <laughs> <laughs> Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to mine and Chad's first episode out of eight episodes that we'll be doing. Maybe even more episodes, actually, because a couple of these books are chunky, very, very large. We might have to break up a couple of these books into multiple episodes, but I hope that you're with us for every step of the way. And uh, and I want to I want to say this at the end of every episode. In addition to what I always say, uh, long days and pleasant nights. Ooh, that's good. Is there a uh, is there a like response to that? Yeah, I think it's um, and may you have twice the number. I think. Oh, that's right. I, you know, you're right. And may you have twice the number. It, that is. So I'll say I'll say long days and pleasant nights, and you'll say may you have twice the number. Also, thanks, Serene, for sending me these books. Ah. <laughs> Everybody, hope you have an awesome rest of your day, and of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.